Like Mandy said, my name is Gino Allison. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Special welcome to anybody who's with us for the very first time. So good to see you here with us today. You're probably noticing it's a little chilly in here. We're working through some um, heating issues, and so we're just asking for the Holy Spirit to warm us up a little bit this morning, but it should warm up as more bodies get in here. But thank you so much for being here today. And I just wanted to say in this first weekend of the new year, Happy New Year. You guys didn't seem too excited about that. Happy New Year. Did you party too hard? Um, well, this, is, a, this is, a, is an exciting time for us. And some of you are like, you know, I don't really like this time of the year. But this is a really exciting time for us. This is a really pivotal time of the year because no matter what 20, 2015 looked like, you know, it's 2016 now. You got a clean slate. You got a fresh start. And I think it should be encouraging for you to learn that you don't have to carry over anything from 2016, uh, 2015 into 2016 that you don't particularly want to. Maybe, maybe the, your December credit card bill might follow you into the new year. But other than that, you have the freedom to start over. You have the freedom to start over. And every year we look at the new year with a lot of optimism, a lot of hope, not because we just feel good people, but because we serve a great God who gives us chances after chances after chances to do right and to live right and to respond to him in powerful and meaningful ways. And history tells me that when I lean into the things that God commands me to lean into, when I purposefully move toward the things that God has set before me, my life is just changed and enriched in powerful and meaningful ways. And so it's for that reason that each and every year around this time, we take some time to highlight just some things that God is moving us, for, uh, moving us toward. And so um, I started last week a brand new series that I simply called Lean In. And if you hang around here, uh, if you've been hanging around for a while, you know that's a phrase that I use often. Leaning in is just a way to move toward some things uh, that God is calling us to move toward. And if you physically consider the motion of leaning in, you're not only leaning toward something, but you're leaning away from something. You're facing and moving towards something. Your back is to something else. And so you can't lean towards something without leaning away from some other things. And so when we talk about leaning in, we talk about uh, moving forward toward the things that God has taught, uh, set before us. We, it brings to mind a, a focus, right? It brings to, to mind new resolve, purpose, and direction, something that we, we all really need. And so last week I began by uh, just introducing a text that I think will really help define our activity in this new year, especially as we move forward to the things that God has for us, as we lean forward, to use a familiar expression. We looked at Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 14. This is Paul talking. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What powerful words. If you need just something to latch on to, as we engage these first few weeks, these first few months, as we consider what it looks like to lean in and to press in, grab a hold of Paul's words this morning. 
Grab a hold of what he sets before us this morning. And basically what Paul sets before us is this whole idea that we should be constantly moving toward perfection. I personally believe that perfection in this life is not attainable, right? But this isn't some futile attempt to just keep ourselves busy. Paul says, even though I may not ever achieve perfection, I will constantly be moving in the right direction. I will constantly find myself on the path of obedience for my life if I continue to move forward to press toward perfection. To press toward perfection. He says, I'm not perfect. I'm not there. I'll probably never get there. But I tell you what, my feet will continue to move in the direction that God is calling me to. And last week as I unpacked this, I said there's two components to leaning in. There's forgetting. Paul says, hey, I got to forget the things that are behind me. I got to forget some people. I got to forget some places. I got to forget some things. I got to forget some mindsets. I got to forget selfishness and immaturity and things that kept me stuck in 2015. And I have to what? Press toward the opposite of all those things. I got to press toward maturity, press toward God's standard, press toward holiness, press toward health and healing and freedom. I got to press toward these things so that I won't be stuck. If you consider yourself stuck in 2015, you probably uh, did a bad job at forgetting what you needed to forget, and you probably did an equally bad job of pressing forward to the things that God says to press forward to. So there's this forgetting and this pressing to get us unstuck. And one of the most important decisions you'll make in this new year, you'll make right around this time. And that is the decision uh, of what you will forget and what you will press forward to. Some of you have already made those decisions. Some of you still have an empty pad and paper before you as you consider what you forget and what you press toward. And so my goal over the next few weeks is to help you fill out that pad and paper and help you remember and consider what you should be forgetting and what you should be pressing forward to. Last week, we began this series with a sermon that I simply called Leaning Into Fasting and Prayer. If you were here last week, you know we talked about the importance of fasting and prayer. We specifically talked about that because we've engaged over the next, for the next 30 days. Yesterday was the first day of our 30-day fast and our 30-day challenge. Now, if you were here last week, you got one of these sheets. If you weren't here last week and you want one of these sheets, you should have one of these sheets. You can just throw your hand up in the air. Somebody will uh, bring one around. But this is just uh, a sheet to help you engage this 30-day fast, this 30-day challenge. And we briefly said last, uh, last week that fasting is simply a way of us pulling back from some of the things that compete for our attention and our affection, things like food, things like certain types of food, things like social media, things like your smartphone, things like all television, all these sorts of things. Things that aren't necessarily bad things, but they are things that maybe have grown too large in your life. They keep you from hearing God. They keep you from leaning in. They keep you from moving forward. And so what we purposefully do around this time of year and what we'll also sprinkle throughout the rest of the year are some uh, periods of uh, extended fasting where we purposefully pull away from those things. And just like you have to forget in order to press forward, we're not just eliminating things, but we're also adding things. We're removing things about our life so that we can press forward and lean in to what God has for us today. And so if you just got this sheet in your hand, uh, it just basically details what you intend to uh, commit to as we walk through, through this. You'll hear a lot more about this in the coming weeks. 
But last week we talked about leaning into fasting and the prayer. And this week I want to talk about leaning into Christian community. Leaning in to Christian community. You know the word community is very important in the life of a Christian. Community is simply defined as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Excuse me. It's also fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes interests, and goals. That's what community is. And so when you put Christian in front of that word, community, it takes on an all, you know, a very important meaning. It means that for those of us who have committed to the mission and the, and, the, and the life that Jesus calls us to, we're basically a group of people who have together committed to put Jesus at the center of our life. And all of our hanging out, all of our relating, our common characteristics, our common vision, our sh- all the shared things that we have in common mainly uh, revolve around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of communities where you live as a community, right? Most of the communities we have a say. We have a choice whether or not we engage it. And the Christian community is no different. But Christian community is perhaps the most important community to which you can belong. There's the broader Christian community, the church universal. There are the, church, the Christians and the churches that make up the communities that we live in. And then there's the community that I want to talk about today, the local church. Somebody say local church. The local church. This happens to be a local church, right? A place where you go, where you connect, where you plug into And in case you haven't realized this already, I I really believe in the local church. I think a pastor that doesn't believe in the the local church needs to maybe find something else to do, right? Uh, But I believe in the local church. My wife and myself, my family, we've put a lot of eggs in this basket. Why? Because we like church? Of course we like church. But we happen to believe that what God wants to get done in the earth... What God wants to do in the earth, he'll largely do through the local church. I'll say that again. What God wants to do in the earth, and there's plenty to do if you just read the news. All the stuff that's broken, all the stuff that needs repair, all of the people who are in disrepair. What God wants to do in the earth, he largely wants to do through the local church. We talk about poverty and hunger. We talk about social justice. We talk about racism and all this sort of stuff that uh, just soils our society and culture. You talk about broken marriages and broken families. You talk about children and them learning how to live in society and love Jesus and love one another. All of that, I believe that God wants to use us to do that, the local church. I also happen to believe that what God wants to do in you and me by way of fixing us, by way of bringing healing to us, by way of moving us to a place of wholeness and health rather than sickness and despair, God wants to do that through the local church. That's why whenever I encounter somebody who says, man, I, 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 just, I love God, but I just don't, I, I don't jive well with the church. I, I love God, but I don't love his people. I don't, I don't need a building is usually what they say. I don't need a building. And my heart breaks when I hear that because I know that much of the healing and the hope that we need won't come outside of what we do here 
on Sunday morning, what we do when we gather throughout the week, what we do when we gather and we bless this community, much of what needs to happen in us and in this world simply won't happen if the church doesn't show up. It won't happen. And so I know that many of you struggle with church, particularly a local church, particularly the Christian community, because you've been hurt. Whenever I talk about Christian community, I almost always just pause and put a nickel, you know, in the little parking meter. Just let me just pause for a second, just so I can address those who are just here today, but you're not really here. You're just sort of casually here. You made up in your heart that you're not going to really engage this. You're not going to really give your heart again. You're not going to really put yourself in a, uh, a position to be vulnerable again, simply because you've been hurt. You've engaged a Christian community, or you submitted yourself and your life to a set of believers, uh, a person of influence, maybe a pastor, and you've been hurt, either intentionally or unintentionally. You've been used. You've been run ragged. You've been taken advantage of. And some of you have said, never again. Never again. And even if you had to wander into church today, or maybe you're listening to us through our podcast You say, maybe I'll just dip my toes in, but I will never fully commit. I will never give somebody the opportunity to do that to me again. What I want to say to you is, first of all, I I want to apologize to you on behalf of my colleagues, on behalf of my peers. One, because I know that oftentimes you can get hurt because the people in the church are just that, they're people. Oftentimes they didn't mean what happened. Oftentimes they were just being human. They were just being broken. They were just being sinful. But you were a casualty of that. I want to apologize to you on behalf of those who hurt you. I want to apologize to you on behalf of those who intentionally hurt you. Those who intentionally are wolves, but they don a sheep's cloak so, so they can take advantage of people like you. I apologize. That's not Jesus. Uh, that's not Jesus. And so I want to apologize, and I want to ask you, even though you've been hurt, if you would give it a second try. If you would allow the Holy Spirit to heal you and give you a fresh start, I ask you that so that you can really taste of the sweetness and life that exists within the walls of Christian community. Would you forgive us today? And would you engage this message today as an opportunity for God to give you a fresh start um, as, as it relates to Christian community. I ask you that. I, I beg you to engage this because I long to see this place be a transforming community where broken people come out and transformed people leave. I'm sorry, broken people come in and transformed people leave. place where people who, have ho- who, who deal with hopelessness and despair will come and find new life in Jesus Christ. For those who've made a mess of their life can come in and be reorientated and be refilled by God's presence and spirit and so they can be a positive impact in the world around them. I long for this to be a transforming community, but this is something that has to be engaged. This is something that has to be participated in. This is something that has to be taken seriously. And so I want to challenge us all today to lean in to Christian community. I want to look this morning at a passage of Scripture to just sort of divine, give us a picture of it, and then I want to unpack what that really means. I want to look this morning at Acts chapter 2. You can turn there in your Bibles. There are Bibles, by the way, on the edges of most of the rows there. 
Feel free to use that Bible. If you don't have one, feel free also to follow along on your phones and on your tablets. We'll also be displaying the scriptures on the screens. Acts chapter 2. I'll start at verse 42. We'll also peek briefly at Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32. Before I read those passages, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for uh, your word. I thank you for your truth. I, I thank you, Lord, that you chose me um, as your servant, that I get to stand here and preach your word, that I get to stand before your people, Lord, and instruct them in your ways. Father, I know you value the church. I know you value what we do here. I know you value, Lord, the benefits that we all receive when we engage this properly. And so, Lord, I ask that your presence and your spirit would be here today. I pray specifically for those who've been hurt and for those who are skeptical and for those who, you know, have chosen not to fully engage this again because of their history. Lord, I pray that you would speak especially to them this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would call us to lean in to this and that we will receive what you would have to pour out. Lord, put power on these words that you've given me to speak so that your truth and your light might shine through. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. So as we look at Acts chapter 2, we're, at, we're, we're answering the question, what does a healthy Christian community look like? What does a healthy Christian community look like? That's an important question because anything that you can do well, you can do poorly. And some of you know that there are good churches, and there are churches that aren't so good in in that they're fulfilling their purpose, their God-given purpose. And so what we see here in the early parts of the book of Acts is we see the early church, the church as it first started. You have to understand that the resurrected Christ appeared to his disciples and said to them, hey, listen, go into all the world and make disciples. Teach these disciples the word, teach them truth, show them how to live this life, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and get to work basically proclaiming the gospel. One of the fruit of the proclaimed gospel and teaching and making disciples is that people will start to gather, right? You're talking to people about Jesus. They're coming to faith. These people usually stick around because they want more. There's more to this. Engage me. Tell me more about this, right? So people start to gather, and they start to gather in communities, And so this is the early picture of what the early church looked like. I'll start at verse 42. They devoted themselves, the early church, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now, I love these passages. I refer to them a lot because this is a perfect picture. It's a near perfect picture of what a healthy church looks like. Some would say this is the ideal Christian community. 
Some would say the elements of this community, as we see in these two passages that we read, is something that you want at play in all of our Christian churches, and sadly, that's not the case. This, this is a pastor's dream, like all the pastors I talk to, like if I could just pastor a church like that, where people were so excited and engaged and so much kingdom activity was happening, you know, this is a pastor's dream. This is a pastor's dream. And when we engage this picture of what it looks like to have healthy Christian community, we see this is a wonderful, active sort of two-way street between God and his people. And so we see that God is pouring out things, right, like the Holy Spirit. God is pouring out things like he's providing this church with leaders and direction. These are men and women who have God's heart who have God's word on their lips, who care for and love the people and will share God's word with them, who will correct them when they need to be corrected, who will shepherd and lead them and help to keep them from falling off the cliff, right? Leaders, God's word is being preached with power. People are understanding what God expects of them and what they can expect from God. We see signs, wonders, and miracles. God is pouring all these things out. God is gifting this to his people. But there's also something that the people have to sort of bring to the table. Uh, there's also something that the people have. I mean, we have to bring something to the party. And what did these people bring to the party? They brought selflessness. They brought sacrificial love toward God and to others. They devoted themselves to unity. They came into the meetings with great expectation. They loved to get together. They brought something to the party. And so I think where we falter when we try to engage Christian community in our broken, fallen, sinful state is that we just want to show up to some place where everything's already been, you know, provided. We want, to, we want to partake in God's word. We want the Holy Spirit to show up. We want good leaders. We want good preaching and teaching. But we come empty-handed. And I'm not talking about financially here. I'm talking about we just, we, we, we've, we've been taken by this consumer society that we live in. And even when we come to faith, we just expect for there to be a show, for things to be taken care of. But when we see this healthy church, we see this healthy Christian community, we know that God brought something to the table and there was a reasonable expectation that the people would bring something as well. It's a reasonable expectation that they would show up with something as well. Now, they couldn't bring what God brought to the table, and God doesn't try to bring what we should bring to the table. That's a party pot. Like, everybody brings something. We'll have a gay old time, right? Mutual exchange of goods. And I tell you, God's going to do his part. God's going to do his part. But the secret and often missing ingredient that makes the whole deal work is often what's suspiciously absent from Christian community, which makes the whole thing shut down. The secret ingredient is none other than commitment. None other than commitment. And this is a dirty word in our culture. This is countercultural to us. We don't like commitment. But in God's economy, commitment is a big deal. And commitment is simply defined as an engagement or an obligation that restricts freedom or action. And some of you didn't mind the engagement part, but as soon as I started talking about restricting options and restricting motion, all of a sudden this word commitment becomes less appealing. 
So you're going to commit to something, it's going to limit your options. You're going to commit to something, it's going to, it's going to box you in a little bit, and we're frankly uncomfortable with that. I think if we're going to engage in this Christian community, we have to do business with this word commitment. We got to do business with this word commitment. I love how the passage we read opens, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. They devoted themselves. That's not a casual word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They committed themselves. They engaged this fully. And this is problematic for us because there's something within us that's drawn to variety. There's something within us that's drawn to variety, and there's nothing particularly wrong with that unless we pull away from the things that God is calling us, commanding us, demanding for us to commit to. Because some of us, anything that seeks to lock us in uh, is looked at with suspicion. We push back on it. We, We don't really want to engage it. You see these cell phone plans like, listen, no contract, right? You get this, that, and the other, and you don't have to sign up for anything. And lots of, you know, marketers and businesses are catching on to the fact that people don't want to be locked in. They don't want to be tied to anything. And I think it's a sickness that we're uh, seeing more and more in our, in our community here, more and more in our churches. But let me tell you something. God expects you to commit. God expects you to commit, especially to the things that are most important, especially to the things that he sets before us. We consider our faith in Jesus Christ. We consider our belief and our leaning toward God. He says, don't have any other gods before me. Listen, when you engage me, I'm it, right? One of the main commandments, have no other gods before me. God sets before us the gift of relationships. He says, love one another with a sacrificial love. Lean into one another. Be committed to one another. God sets before us the the institution of marriage, and he says, listen, lean into one another. Drink deeply from only that well. Commit to it. Everything that God gives us, everything that he sets before us, he insists that we commit to it, that we engage it fully for all the important stuff God expects us to lock ourselves in, to limit our options, not because God is mean, but because he's good. And he's good enough to hand us something that's perfect, something that's excellent, and if we would only choose to engage that and only choose to lean into that, we would enjoy the sweetness and the beauty of what he purposed those things to do for our life. And I think the same is true for healthy Christian community. God expects us to engage it, to commit to it. And I think one of the hardest things to watch as a pastor is to watch people, person after person, just take a casual approach to Christian community. I see it all the time. It's a part of our human condition. It's so frustrating. And deep inside, I go, this is is your soul. Like, you only get one of those. (laughs) You, You only get one of those. Oh, I see people take a casual commitment. It's probably the same amount of frustration that a doctor experiences when he uh, has somebody come into his office, office who is be, taking a casual approach to health, not taking their medicine, you know, not eating right, not, not exercising. He said, you, you realize you only get one of these bodies, right? You realize that this is really 
important and you're taking a real casual approach. I imagine it's much like a teacher's frustration. We have some teachers here. When students don't want to engage and learn the fundamentals, the teacher goes, you realize that you're not going to get a good job if you can't read, right? If you can't do this, this is really important. This is really significant. You're taking a casual approach to it. I imagine that there's the same amount of frustration with the family counselors and they got this husband and the wife on the couch and the, the husband would much rather be out playing golf and the wife is really fighting for the marriage and the counselors like, you, re- you realize how important this is, right? And yet you've chosen to take a casual approach to it. I will never get used to it. I'll never get comfortable with that as a pastor. I believe in this too much. It's like the people that call me and text me and say, Hey, Pastor, I couldn't be at church for the last few months. I really had to catch up on my sleep. Or I really had to organize you know, my, my, my trading cards or something really frivolous. But hey, Pastor, would you just shoot me two or three titles of some good books that I can read to get back on track. You know, my wife's leaving. I've made a mess of my life. I've, I'm in financial ruin. I'm struggling with all sorts of addictions. But you have any good books that I can read real quick and straighten this out? Pastor, I don't have a whole lot of time, but would you just text me real quick uh, just three tips for, for getting on the right track. I know my life is a mess. Just I don't have time to talk. I couldn't make it to church. I couldn't make it to small group. I couldn't engage in any other stuff. But just real quick, can I just have a little bit of your time? Can we talk about my issue? Uh, now, listen, I don't have problem engaging with people one-on-one. I do it all the time. It's part of what I get paid for. But what I say often is, listen, man, I got two things for you. I got Jesus and I got Christian community. I got Jesus And I got Christian community. And, you know, in those early days, I didn't have a whole lot to do. You know, as a young pastor, we didn't have have a whole lot to do. And so whenever somebody would call, I'd just go running over there and spend lots of time with them. Lots of time, nothing would change. People never come to church. And I would just run over. You know, I got to do something. I got to fill up this calendar. Now, I'm a little older, a little wiser. I got a full calendar. I got kids now. I got other engagements outside of the church, and I'm just a little more discerning with my time and energy. And so when somebody calls me, particularly those who aren't engaged in community life, I say, listen, I'll come over, but I just want to just share with you this, 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 is, this is one of the things that this is a deal breaker for me. My goal is to connect you to Jesus and for this road to eventually terminate in Christian community. Do you know probably three-fourths of the people who call me do not follow up, do not engage, do not take that any further because they're not interested in this. And you know what I want to do? I just want to grab them with a little extra Holy Ghost power and I want to shake them. And then I remember, maybe they haven't tasted this. Maybe they haven't experienced this. Maybe they haven't seen this in action. I still want to shake them, but maybe not as violently. There's no, there's, no, there's no pill to take to fix your life. There's no three easy tips. I, I couldn't give you enough books to read that will replace this. Committing to, leaning into, giving yourself fully to this. There's no, there's no way around this. There's no way around this. The truth is, friends, life is harder when you're disconnected. Life is just harder when you're disconnected. I'll say it again. Life is harder 
when you're disconnected. Listen, God put us in a family for a reason. That's why when you see orphans, you hear a story about a terrible car accident and there's kids without parents. Now, it just, it just breaks your heart, right? Why? Because you're, you, you imagine that person's alone now. Oftentimes we interact with senior citizens who have survived all of their children, survived all of their family, and they're alone in this world. It's one of the saddest things. Why? Because we get that, right? We get that we're not supposed to be alone in this world. And I think that's one of the reasons that God chose to to, to bring us uh, into this world through families, healthy families, because he wanted to give us a picture of what this should and could look like. Now, some of you are not like me in that you had a healthy family growing up. And so the dysfunction that you maybe experienced growing up in your dysfunctional home, you sort of transport that into the church, and so it complicates things. But life is harder when you're disconnected from your family, when you're disconnected from God's family. And so when we look at this whole deal of Christian community and what we're supposed to commit to, we can understand that God has supplied within this community good teaching and good preaching. At least I hope the teaching and preaching is good. God has supplied for us fellowship, friendship, man, people that will miss you when you're gone, people that will remember your name and check on you if you come up missing. God has supplied miracles, signs, and wonders. We read the early account of the uh, early church, and we see that needs were being met. People weren't going hungry because others noted that they were in trouble, and they took care of it. Provision were being made. Unity as we rally around a common cause, a place for your children to grow, and much, much more. All this when you commit to Christian community and you get this and more, right? And so when I consider this list, I consider what God pours out here, I sometimes think to myself, who wouldn't want all of this good stuff? Who wouldn't want it? You'd have to be a fool to pass this up. And then I remember something. That commitment not only has benefits, but it has costs. And then I go, oh, that's, that's why. I said, community, preaching, Holy Spirit's coming out. Who wouldn't tell? Oh, that's right. This, 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 this kind of costs you something. It kind of costs you something. It costs you something. This costs you something. And if you were honest, for those of you who have stayed on the fringes of this, have stayed on the edges, have stayed on the outside of the fence, you would, you would probably say that you've not fully engaged, you're not fully committed because of what it costs. Because of what it costs. And God's good stuff, uh, it costs what it costs. It doesn't go on sale. So you're waiting for that sale on God's good stuff. You're waiting for the sale on the marriage sale where you don't have to give your whole self to the marriage. You're waiting for God's good stuff to go on sale. You're waiting for a, you know, a bargain version of the single life that doesn't require you to give your whole self to God and to wait on him. You're waiting for that. Well, keep waiting. It doesn't exist. You're waiting on a bargain version of Christian community where you don't have to bring anything to the party. That doesn't exist. I heard a preacher say once that the cheap stuff goes on sale. The good stuff costs what it costs. So you never see Ferrari, you know, sending you a flyer about a Ferrari sale. You never see these high-end shops, you know, trying to coax you into their store uh, with some sales. You just don't. It costs what it costs. It's not for basic people like you and me, right? But in the same, in a similar way, the goods 
of the kingdom don't go on sale. There's no, there's no discounting this. It costs what it costs. And so all the sweetness, all the hope, all the friendship, all the blessings of the Holy Spirit that we experience in this glorious Christian communities are yours for the taking, but they're going to cost you something. And so my question to you as I consider, as I ask you to consider what commitment looks like to you, as you count up the cost of what it means to really partake in this glorious Christian community, my question to you is, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? And it might get hot in here for a little bit, Um, and so I'm going to post some ushers on the door so that nobody leaves, but we're going to get into this just for a minute. What do you bring to the table? So many people, and this is tragic, join a church and make no impact at all. I will never understand it. I will never understand it. They're totally comfortable with just receiving. They're totally comfortable with just taking, soaking up, and consuming, and they make no impact whatsoever. You say, preacher, how do I know if I make an impact? Here's another sobering question for you. What would happen if you left? If you just decided today that, After the last song, you want to quietly slip out the back door and you would never come back. Would there be a hole where you used to be? Would there be a hole where you used to be? Now, we love you and we care for you. We'll probably call you a couple times. Might swing by the house if we're really close, right? Because we love you and we miss you. But in terms of your impact here, Would there be a hole where you used to be? And some folks, when they leave, we have to scramble to find volunteers because they were serving here, they were serving there. We really got to rearrange some things. Some folks, when they leave, we really have to, you know, move the budget around to make up, to account for uh, their, their contributions. Some people, when they leave, we really have to shuffle. Okay, who's, dis- who's going to disciple this person now? Who's going to lead that small group? Because that person, they had a huge impact here, de- depending on their gift mix and their skill set and their resources. But some of you, if you left, we just miss you because we like you. There wouldn't be a hole because you don't really serve anywhere. There wouldn't be a hole in terms of resource because you don't really give anything. There wouldn't be a hole in terms of who's discipling and encouraging and helping us shepherd this flock because, well, this is a place where you come to, to, to consume and to feed and to feast. And let me just pause and say that I know some of you are in a really tough season of your life. and It's all you could do to get here. It took, it took every you know, ounce of your strength and every ounce of Holy Ghost you have in, in you to just come to church today. And, and please understand, I'm not talking to you. You come here, you convalesce, you, you heal, you get built up and encouraged because there's, a, there's seasons of that. And so I don't want anybody to mishear what I'm saying. There's seasons of that. If you're in that place, you just, this, all we want you to do is, all we want you to do is show up. You don't have to put a dime in the plate. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just come and let God's healing waters just wash over you. But let me set you aside for a second. Let me talk to the rest of us. Because there's work to be done in here. What do you bring to the table? What impact do you make in this community? 
Listen, I've purposed in my heart that I won't hook up with anything and not make an impact. This is a personal conviction of mine. I won't join anything and not make an impact. I'm going to bring with me my skill set. I'm going to bring with me my resources. I'm going to bring with me my stuff. And you're going to know when I'm in the building, and you're going to know when I leave. Now, that's not me being prideful. That's just me having taken an inventory of what God has given me, and I have much to pay out because God has given me much. God's blessed me with a wide skill set. And so I can, I, can, I can say with certainty today, if you've got me as a friend, you've got help. If I'm a part of your church, there's, there's a whole lot of holes that, by virtue of what God has given me, that I could fill, at least for a moment. You've got a wide skill set. And I know this whole kingdom life is about stewardship, and I understand that for, much, for, for whom much is given, much is required. I'm not going to engage something and not make an impact. Do you have the same resolve? As it relates to Christian community, have you misunderstood that there's a give and take to this? Have you misunderstood that God has so much sweetness, so much goodness, so much kingdom light he wants to pour out on us, but he expects us to engage this? He expects us to engage this. Now, some of you will say, well, Pastor, frankly, I've never gotten much out of church. And you might say the same thing about marriage. You might say the same thing about your career. You might say the same thing about your friendships. And it's probably the case that you've just never given your whole self to anything in your life. I'll say that again. If you look around your life and everything is broken, it's probably not the case that all those independent areas are the problem. It might be the case that you have a commitment problem. It might be the case that you didn't, you didn't get anything out of school because you didn't give yourself to it. It might be the case that you didn't get anything out of your vocation or you just keep getting let go or you keep finding a new job because you've never given your whole self to it. It might be the case that you're on your fifth marriage because you didn't give your whole self to the, you know, the first four. You don't get anything out of Christian community. It just might be the case that you've never buckled down and given your whole self to the thing like God requires. This is why we say don't take a casual approach to picking a church. Don't take a casual, because God, listen, when you pick one, God expects you to to throw yourself at it, to go all into it. So don't be casual about it. But my suspicion is for those of you who would say, I've never really gotten much out of church. You might have never really tried it the right way. What do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? Some of you have your interest peaked, and you might say, okay, preacher, I don't know if I should ask this, but how do I lean in the Christian community? How do I lean in here at SSV? And I guess since you asked, I'll, I have a few things prepared. <laughs> Five real quick things. First way to lean is, is to show up. Listen, you can't hardly do anything in life. You can't hardly do anything in life without showing up first. Even if you're doing something online, you got you to at least log in first, right? And so, so what's the first step in this thing? How do I, how do I just, how do I, how do I lean in? You, you have to show up. You got to show up. And part of one of the symptoms of taking a casual approach to Christian community is just, you just, just, just show up when you want to. Any blowing of the wind might keep you home. 
and you ask a question, hey, do I feel like doing that? Okay, what, what's happening? Do I feel like doing that? I'm not really into that. I didn't like those songs last time. Or I don't really like rubbing shoulders with the poor, so I won't go to the food pan. I don't like really singing this. I don't like senior citizens, so I won't go bring some Christmas cheer. To, you know, I won't like prayer. I don't get up too early, so I don't want to go to that early prayer meeting. So all your decisions are preference-based. I think part of what this whole idea of showing up and being committed, especially if, if, if this is your church, I think a better question is, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? In other words, what is this community that I've connected to? What have we, what have we set our sights on? Okay, we've got our weekend meeting. Okay, listen, something's got to be really important for me to miss this. And maybe I'm not on empty. Maybe I don't need a whole lot of encouragement today, but what about somebody who does? Maybe I don't need a hug or a smile or somebody to slip me $5 for my gas or maybe probably more than that for gas, but, but maybe somebody else does. And that probably won't happen if I don't show up. What are we doing? What have we engaged? We're serving the poor twice a month. It's an easy way to serve the poor. I wouldn't miss it unless there's a really good reason. A church is meeting to pray for this city and to pray for this church and to unlock heaven for what he wants to do in this community. I'm going to show up to that because that's what we're doing. Showing up asks, what are we doing? Because that's my church. I'm engaged there. I'm committed there. I show up. Now, some of this, this is coming down your lane this morning. I don't want you to feel any condemnation. I don't want you to feel beat up. But you asked, and I'm just telling you. God expects us to show up. And so I always challenge the church shoppers, and we get plenty through here. Say, listen, listen, where you go to church, give it, give it a few weeks. Give it 30 days. And if you can't engage whatever they have going on, all the main stuff, just do it for 30 days. Just do it for 30 days. And see what happens. Now, if they're sacrificing animals and stuff, then you don't have to go back there. You know, one time is enough. Right? But if you, you know, check it out. And some of you have been here for the longest time and you just say, you know what, for the next 30 days, I'm just going to fully engage this place. I'm going to just, I'm going to just show up and, get, and give it a real test drive and see if this is the place for me. Step one is to show up. Step two is to join a small group. Join a small group. Our small groups, for those of you who don't know, are just Bible studies, are fellowship groups that meet throughout the week. And this is really the pastoral care system for our church. You know, we come here and we sit in rows and we hear teaching and we worship together. This serves a function. This is cool. But real community life happens in circles, not rows. This is rows. The good stuff happens when we're face-to-face, life-to-life, right? And so to a person, for those who have faithfully and fully engaged small groups, they will report that God has done something really special in their life. They've gained friends. Uh, they've, they've been challenged. They get accountability. They get stirred up and prayed up. And so those who really uh, take advantage of what we offer, you know, the best of what we have to offer, are engaged in small groups. And so we have a small group fair after church here today. And the small group leaders will stand behind those tables. They'll have a little enticing dessert for you to come by. And you can ask them about their small group when they meet. Hey, can I bring kids to this group? Is there child care? But listen, I want you to engage a, a, a small group. It's part of the 30-day challenge. Listen, go through four weeks and just, just check it out. And guess what? If you don't like the first one you go to, just don't go back. <laughs> you know, just go to a different one. Just go to a different one. And, you know, just avoid the small group leader at church until they forget about you. But check it out. Join a small group. 
Um, another way uh, to, to lean in here is to, to serve on a ministry team. You know, everything that happens here uh, requires some volunteers. You know, the people who come in on Saturday to practice this worship set, and they come in early on Sunday to sing. There are folks who come in throughout the week to clean this building. There are people back there right now watching your children and not just babysitting them, but teaching them an age-appropriate lesson. There are ushers. There are greeters. There are people running sound. There are folks who come in early to make sure there's coffee and tea and that the bathrooms have tissue and all sorts of other things. There's plenty of work to do around here, and we often challenge and encourage people to sign up to serve. Now, some of you say, well, they just want to use us to get the work done. Well, we need a workforce around here, but you'd be surprised at what gets done in you as you engage and as you serve. How much ownership, all of a sudden, this is, this is your church and not just the church you go to. And so we challenge for those of you who call this church home, not to just show up, not to just engage a small group, but to, to, to sign up to serve for a ministry. And so in two weeks, we'll have our Serve Fest, which will be similar, similar to the small group fair, where our different ministry coordinators will be at the back tables, and you can just sort of go around and ask them about what they do, and you can sign up and try some of these out. Listen, serve in a ministry is one of the powerful ways to lean in. Another way to lean in is to give generously, to give generously, to give generously. I know that this is some, for some of you, this is a real sore spot, because, you know, maybe where you were before, that's all they talked about is money. You saw lots of money coming in, but you never knew where it was going. You had the suspicion that the preacher's, you know, brand new car was, you know, purchased with your hard-earned dollars. And we're very sensitive to that. That's why when we ask you to give generously to this effort, to this mission, to get behind this with your resources, we don't have a problem publishing a statement every year that tells you where every penny went. We feel like we owe that to you if we were going to ask you to give. And so you won't see me pulling up in a new Cadillac or anything like that that's been purchased with your money. Uh, Every dime you give will go to the kingdom effort, and if you have a question, we will answer it. I feel like if I can't answer your questions about where your money is going, we we should not ask you to, 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 to give it. But the bigger part of that is, listen, one of the defining characteristics of what you've bought into is where you bring your resource. Where you bring your resource. And so some of you, this is a real challenge for you because you don't mind serving, you don't mind showing up, but when it comes to the money, there's something sticky there. And I think you have to do business with God and say, Lord, why is that the case? Why am I stingy when it comes to my resources? Why do I withhold that aspect or or just give very sparingly to it? Why have I not engaged in faithful tithing and giving offerings and supporting this and that. Why, why was that? I mean, that's something that you have to work out between you and God. But I want you to start the conversation today because that's one of the most powerful ways that you can lean in is to give generously. And lastly, uh, you could take the membership class. And this is the culmination of a lot of them because in the membership class, like, we really go for it there, right? We have a really frank conversation. For those of you who, who, who've engaged in the membership class, we know we have a really frank conversation about what you can expect from us, and what we expect from you. We believe in membership. And the difference between somebody who comes and somebody who joins and becomes a member, the the simple difference is who we can count on. Membership lets us know who we can count on. Now, you can come here casually. You can give whatever you want to give or not. You can serve or not. You can show up or not. 
But for those of you who engage on a level of membership, you're basically saying, hey, you can count on me to show up to stuff. You can count on me to engage a small group. You can count on me to give generously. You can count on me to serve. You can count on me to rally around the cause of this house and of this local church. And so for those of you, as you've kicked the tires long enough, if you've investigated long enough, you say, you know what, I'm ready to really look into this, and I want to take the membership class. I want to see, I want to take the next step. And some of you are there now. Others of you would say, you know what, I've been here for a while, but there's some reason why I'm not engaging the membership process. Again, I don't report to know what that is, but I think you need to do business with God on that. You need to begin that conversation. And if you have some questions for me, I'd be happy, I'd be happy to answer them. So the five things you can do to lean in, I mean, practically lean in, and there's no time like the present, especially at this brand new year. You can show up. You can join a small group. You can serve in a ministry. You can give generously. And if you're at that point where you want to take the membership class, you can sign up for that worship team. You can come up as I close. So my question to you is, where are you today? What's your view of Christian community? What do you bring to the party? Uh, has your history with church, the hurt and brokenness, has that impacted how you engage with this community? Where, where are you at? Don't answer out loud, but I want you to, to turn that over in your heart. And as we worship the Lord today, I want you to do business with how you relate to Christian community. How you relate to Christian community. And let me just say one final thing. This may not be the church for you. You know, this, this, this may not be the church for you. We do church a certain way. We have a certain flavor. We have a certain philosophy of ministry. And we just realize that that is not for everybody. And if you discover that this is not where you should be, um, you should probably go. And I say that with all affection. But there's a church waiting for you to show up with all of your resource, with all of your commitment, with all of your zeal and fervor. And if you're at a place where you're not, you know, plugged in and connected, you're not really feeling the vibe, then you're just kind of in the way. You, 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 you're missing an opportunity to really engage what God is calling you. And so if that happens to be you, listen, we bless that. We're really well connected with lots of churches in this community. So if you need a suggestion, then we'll, we'll give you one. What's the point? The point is go, engage, commit. Let God radically change your life and be a part of the radical transformation that God wants to do in somebody else's life because you decided that you would show up, you would commit, and you will engage. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, for this gift of Christian community. I thank you so much, Lord, that you, you give us this gift. You, you don't birth us into this world. You don't bring us into the kingdom and leave us in the snowbank. You, 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 you attach us to a family, a family that's committed to helping us grow, helping us learn, helping us move closer to you. God, you've gifted us with friendships and people who will see to it that we are cared for. Lord, and would you, forg- would you forgive us, Lord, if we've taken that lightly? Would you forgive us, Lord, if we've taken a casual approach to something that's so significant? Holy Spirit, would you fill us today? God, we give you permission to do business with anything within us that bristles against this institution that you've set before us. God, would you give us a high view of the church? Would you give us a high view of Christian community? Lord, may we not come to this place ever again with empty hands. May we bring an offering. May we bring something to the party. 
so that we can do what you've called us here to do, and that's bless this community and bless these people, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen.